I need all of the ungodly people from no matter where you're watching from just to go ahead and raise your hand and say, I'm ungodly, really loud. And I hope some of you are watching in a coffee shop because I'm just enjoying this image too much. Or go ahead and comment down below and say, I'm ungodly. And if this is your first time, you may be wondering what in the world did you just get yourself into, but don't worry. We're going to catch you up. And if you missed last week, you can find uh, last week's sermon on YouTube. You can find it on anywhere podcasts are, are put up and also at sgbic.com. But last week, we started this process of, of discovering what's wrong with us. I know a lot of us have tried to fix ourselves. Some of us have been trying to fix things about us for years uh, maybe we've been trying to fix things in other people for years, and uh, or some maybe someone's been trying to fix you for years, and it might be getting a little bit annoying. And last week we said it's difficult to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with, uh, and we don't know exactly what's wrong. So the problem may be that you don't know what the problem actually is. And some of us have been running in circles for years and years, just trying to, to fix, maybe it's an unhealthy habit, maybe it's uh, destructive behaviors. And we, we're going through the letter of Romans, chapter five, six, and seven. And in there, there's some of the most confusing language in all of scripture. But for those of us who are a little bit more spiritual, we don't say it's confusing. We say, hmm, that's deep. Uh, but no matter if you think it's confusing or deep, we're going to just take things uh, slowly and bit by bit today so that we can get off that treadmill of trying to fix ourselves and actually see some movement in our life. Uh, so last week we discovered that the problem what the problem was, and this week we'll take a look at what one New Testament writer named the Apostle Paul, uh, what he says the solution is. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, whether it's paper or a phone, I want, I want you to take a second and get that out and go over and navigate to Romans chapter 7. Uh, the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church and, uh, and talking about the struggle, and, and here's where we're focusing our thoughts today. In verse 15, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I mean, how many times have you found yourself in the same predicament? Oh, I want to do the right thing, but I messed up. Or maybe you just found yourself on autopilot like oh my goodness what in the world was i thinking how in the world did i even mess up mess up again and the, this is the apostle paul's explanation of where that battle comes from that we it's a part of the human experience and that all of us uh, his ex explanation is that we were born into the human race through adam 
and this piece of us that, that is made in God's image and is made to reflect the creativity and joy and goodness and, and right living of God because we're born into a sinful world. It's, it's almost like covered up with this film of inward focus, of violence, rebellion, selfishness. And it's not fair because of one person's sin, one person's rebellion against God. The rest of humanity is born into this system. And like we can we can train pets. Like I grew up with dogs. I remember training my dogs not to continue selfish, destructive behaviors and here I am in my, my teens and 20s and 30s, and I'm still on the journey of training myself to do what is right and to live the right way. And the Apostle Paul talks about this struggle, and he names it, just like Jesus, names this thing called sin and talks about it as a power that we can go back to if we choose to. It's not in the, in the context of a verb of sinning or doing certain behaviors, but he said the, the whole entire problem is the power of sin in us. It's a noun. So here we go in verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I mean, that I resonate with that feeling of looking at my life and looking at the past day or couple weeks or maybe year and going, what a wretched man I am. And from that language, we know and I take so much comfort that whatever Paul was going through, whatever his, his battle was, it wasn't just a small thing. Like, oh, I, let, I left the dishes in the sink, even though my wife asked me so nicely and so sweetly to put them away. But, you know, but they need to soak, honey. Like, no, it's not, I went two miles over the speed limit. It was something significant in his life that was holding him back. And we have these things. We blurt out things and wonder, where in the world is the filter in my head that's supposed to stop me from saying that thing as soon as it comes to my mind? Or why am I constantly behaving out of my insecurities and, and, and reaching out out of that, that insecurity? What a wretched man I am. What in the world do I need to do? What is going to rescue me? That's the question, and it's been the question of humanity since, since we started, started this journey. And that's what we ask, what can I do differently? Maybe if you're like me, you think, oh, what can I read? Is there a book that I can listen to? Is there a podcast that can teach me some sort of hack that will make me into a better person? And what can I do? Uh, what maybe I need to go get therapy or get some perspective or insight. And uh, by now, you're probably thinking, "Oh, I think you know Mike Collins' sermons are amazing. Maybe if I just listen to one more of Mike's sermons, then I'll be fixed." Uh, and you know, I'm joking about the sermon thing, but it's not a bad question and it's not a bad impulse. I mean, all throughout Scripture talks about things that we can do to participate 
in the way God forms us and shapes us. Uh, the, the gospel isn't opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. It is opposed to us uh, doing all of this on our own. It's not a bad question. What can I do differently? But it's not the question that Paul asks. Paul points us to a better question here in verse 24. Paul writes, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, that through Jesus Christ, whenever you see that language in Scripture, in Christ or through Christ, that's when our ears, that's when we, we really pay attention. Because the question isn't, what do I need to do differently? The question is, who? Who is it? Who will rescue me? Who will get me out of this mess? So, our explanation, we know what the problem is. It's the power of sin that we struggle with. And here's where our solution begins. And Paul, this guy experienced success over this thing and this power in him that was referred to as sin. And um, when he wrote this, I mean, and we're about to get into some language here that can be uh, confusing. So just in case, I'll just give you the bottom line. If, if I lose you here in the next couple of minutes, Jesus Christ has rescued us from the power of sin in our life. But I want to I wanna go through these verses and, and just spend some moments soaking in this truth because a lot of us have been living our lives based on a lie. And we've been living like something is true when it's not even true. And uh, the rest of our discussion will, will be based on Paul's understanding of this struggle. In Romans 5, chapter 19, he says, Just as the single unrighteous act of one man ensured you were born a slave to sin, so the single righteous act of one man frees you from the power of sin. Some of you are thinking, wait, I'm not. I'm not quite free of the power of sin. I, I love the story of uh, this lady coming up to the legend of Christianity, John Wesley, and she told him, I haven't sinned in, I think it was like seven years. I haven't sinned once. And he's like, oh, you just missed it because you're proud. Like most of us know, like I still struggle with something. There's, there's a something that I can go back to. And sometimes I think like I hear my mom's voice in my head, like what got into you? I, well, now we know. It's the power of sin that we picked up again. So we'll get more to the, to the solution. But this explanation that, that we came from Adam and that, that we were born into sin. And last week, I had a visual for you that here's, here's humanity represented by these amazing, amazing little uh, smiley face balls. And they were, when we were born, we were in Adam, we uh, there's here's me because my favorite color is blue, and uh, and and here's my wife, and I don't know here's here's some of our politicians, <laughs> some some entertainers or whatever. Like we're messed up, we're 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 focused on ourselves, we're selfish, but the answer is not what do we do to get out of this predicament. The answer is, and not just the Sunday school answer. The answer is. Jesus, that we are rescued and Jesus pulls us out of this and then we are placed into a different container. 
We're placed in Jesus. So another question from Paul. Flip over to Romans chapter 6. And in here, this is one thing I mentioned last week. It can be hard to understand because Paul was most likely dictating this letter. And back then, ancient Roman times in the first century, paper was expensive. There's no delete button on your quill. So as Paul is dictating this letter, he'll sometimes pause and realize like, oh, what I just said is hard to explain and he'll need to take a little tangent to, to give the idea some scaffolding. Uh, but, but check this out, Romans 6 verse 2. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? And some of you say, oh, I can tell you how. You want to know how, even though you've said yes to Jesus, and you, to live in sin? It's really easy. You just say yes. I mean, follow me around. I can show you. <laughs> like, I don't need a mantra. I don't need a three by five card in my pocket to remind me to sin. Like, it's actually really easy, Mike. If, if you're thinking that, just stick with me here for a couple minutes. Um, and Paul would say, like, no, 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 I didn't ask you how you go on living in sin. I'm just wondering why. And wait, and you, as you're reading the, the scriptures, you can almost see Paul's, like, light bulb go on. Like, it's like, no, I'm not asking literally the logistics of how you can keep living in sin. And verse 3 says, or you don't know. I think this, this would apply to the original recipients, but also maybe today Paul would say, if he was sitting across the table from you, he's like, oh, maybe, maybe you don't know this. And, you know, like if you grew up in church and uh, went to Sunday school or maybe at some point in your life you've, you've had this moment and it was a real moment. Maybe you prayed a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe it followed a specific formula or maybe you just out of desperation turned to something bigger than yourself and just said, help, and you turned to the rescuer and you had this experience. And, and as you're continuing to learn to live into that, and you're wondering, my goodness, how do I keep going around the same tree? I'm still struggling with the same thing I struggled with six days ago, six months ago. Maybe it's six years ago. And if Paul was talking to you, he'd be like, oh, maybe there's something you don't know. Because so many of us have grown up in a tradition that says, once you surrender to Jesus, you can, you can go to heaven. And guess what? That's absolutely true. What's also true is there's something that happens and there's a power available to us right now that we don't have to wait. We don't have to just sit around and wait until we go to heaven for things to get better. There's something so much more available to us than something that will happen to us someday. So Paul, Paul realizes in verse 3, or, or you don't know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And here he's talking about uh, this word baptism, and he's not using the word in a religious sense. He's using it in the sense of being immersed, dipped into, or placed into, and that's why I've got this, uh, this um, visual here, that when we surrender to Jesus, we were rescued from this way of life, from this mode of existence, and pulled out of slavery to the power of sin, and placed inside of Christ Jesus. 
And baptism is a big deal to us, but just picture that. You're dipped into Jesus when you start following Jesus. Before you, you surrendered your life to Jesus, everything that was true of Adam was absolutely true of you. You were condemned, you were guilty, you were unrighteous and a slave to sin. But in Christ, what's true of Jesus is true of you. Freedom from sin, rebirth. Uh, Paul goes on in verse four to say, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. Literally, this new life, that we may have new life. It means walk in newness of life, new potential. All the benefits of what Jesus did, his death, his resurrection, are now applied to us because we are in him. When Adam sinned, it was like we sinned. But when Christ died, we also died. What was true of Adam is no longer true anymore. What's true of Jesus is true of us. And that piece of us, that film that, that happened to, to make us function like this world functions, like that was actually taken off of us and killed. Like that part of us, that bad part that we don't want anything, it's actually dead. Verse six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Literally, what that done away with, that old power is, is made powerless. The old ruled by you sin died. Verse seven, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I love thinking of it this way, like, like once I die, I'll never be tempted to eat too much again. I mean, it, it, first of all, it just takes way too long. Like that part of me that wants to overdo it or, or whatever, like it, it is literally dead. And when, we always have the choice to go back to it, but we don't have to, it has no power over us. Paul says, in Christ, you are dead to sin. And when you're placed in Christ, what's true of Jesus becomes true of you. That's not something that's in my day-to-day -day thinking automatically. And I'm so thankful for Paul reminding us of that. And maybe it's new for you today. What's true of Jesus becomes true of you. Paul continues, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God, both once and for all and once for all of us. Are you still not buying it? Like, like I don't know, I'm, I, I, what, you're sounding, what you're saying sounds pretty good, Mike, but I don't know. I totally get that. But just, I said it a little bit earlier, we can totally act one way even if something else is true of us. And, and here's the application part. So once placed in Christ, we are totally dead to sin. Paul continues with the Romans. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall no longer be your master. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, that verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. So 
here's here's what it kind of work, works like. This isn't a perfect illustration. All these these uh, these break down sooner or later. But just stick with me here for a little bit, please. Um, for those of you who have been through an international adoption or or have known somebody, you know it's a long, complicated process. But in the end, with one stroke of a pen, or one final stroke of a pen, something radically changes for this toddler, this little kid, this teenager, radically changes. And I've seen this hundreds of times. My mother started a, a childcare agency in the Philippines for abused, abandoned, and neglected children. And, and the, the kids from their agency is called Kids with Purpose International. And the kids have gone to every habitable continent on the planet. And they're, they're trained up and view themselves as missionaries. But, you know, when they first arrive at Kids with Purpose International, they're under the authority of not only the Filipino, the Filipino government, but of the organization and the wonderful staff there. But the kids, they're, they're under their authority. They, they eat when it's mealtime. They go to school and learn when it's time to do that. And, and like every part of their day is, is structured because with a lot of kids, you need a lot of structure. And, um, and they're under that authority and that system. But at the end of the adoption process, they have this ceremony where, where the family, and sometimes it's the first time they've met face to face, and, and the final documents are signed. And when that happens, life changes. I mean, these kids go from, from uh, like most standards in the world, from a place of having little to no wealth to being wealthy. They get a new name, their future changes. And here's the part that I love. As awesome as the staff is, as, as hard as the Filipino government tries to take care of these kids, once these kids, once that, that signature seals it, like the staff could call the, the family, they could text, they could send pictures, they could, my mom could show up at the door of this, this new home for this family and try to, try to exert some sort of authority. And the parents can go to the door and say, no. No, you have no authority. Oh, this is my child now. But also we've seen over the years, and this is not specific to the, the situations that I know of, but it takes a while for that child to realize, like, my life is different. There's ingrained patterns. There's wounds. There's trauma. There's ways of life that they picked up before they were ever a part of Kids With Purpose International. And they may go to this house where there is literally no lack and they may uh, not eat as much and save it and and take some food back to their room just because they're used to the old ways where there, there may not be enough maybe they learned that in their their home of origin or, or on the street somewhere definitely not at kids with purpose international but like it takes a while to figure out and this new way of living and living in the new system and maybe that's what what we experience, a, a little bit of, that even though sin has no authority over us, we're still used to having to fight for our own and hustle for our own worth, for our own value, for our own acceptance, trying to strive so hard to be a better person and asking over and over, what do I need to do to be better? And the, the question is, is not what, it's who. And, and how do I learn to live into my new identity? 
So this week, uh, we're going to pick up there next week, but I want us to, to practice something here together and, and just go with me. I, I never want to embarrass anybody, so if you are at a coffee shop, um, just use your own discretion. But before we ever worry about our behaviors, before we take another step towards habits or, or, or things that we do, let's think about our identity and what Jesus has done for us. And just quote that verse, verse 14. Sin is no longer my master. I want to invite you to say it out loud with me one more time. Sin is no longer my master. Can you imagine a life like that? Where, where the power of sin doesn't control you? You don't have to look too long. You don't have to uh, abstain like, and, and work so hard to not put certain things in your body or whatever it is. Can you imagine what it would be like to not be a slave to sin and to have nothing between you and Jesus? What if? Like, what if we, we continued to track with Paul uh, over the next couple of weeks? But this week, the homework is to start telling yourself the truth about something that you may have believed is a lie. You, you may have believed a lie your entire life. And I want to challenge you to change the way you think about sin. As Paul suggests, it's a noun, not just a verb. I want you to choose an area of your life that Paul's struggle reminds you of. And as you begin this wrestling match, as you feel like, oh, you get that sensation like, oh, I've been here before. Here we go. I'm about to do something I don't want to do or I'm about to to not do something I know I should do. I want you to say it to yourself. Maybe whisper it, sin is not my master. I am dead to sin, but I am alive to God. Maybe you need to tell yourself a hundred times in this next week, maybe a hundred times a day, and just start living into that truth. And, And guys, don't beat yourself up when or if you fail, but but now you know this week we, we get an A plus if we just know that we don't have to fail. Sin is no longer a master of you, has no authority over you. And next week we'll talk about where to go from there. And uh, maybe today, like you're thinking like, okay, I'm there. Like I've tried my hardest and I'm, I need something bigger. Maybe you're in that place of desperation and you're crying out, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this situation anymore. I mean, if you're in that place, you're actually, you're moving in the right direction. And we would love to talk to you further about uh, about Jesus rescuing you. And if you're in that place, I don't want you to feel any anxiety about reaching out to us. No one here is going to say, I told you so. Like, finally. No, because we've all been there. Yeah, even even Paul, the guy who wrote what we've been talking about today, he's been there. So, and personally, every day I say, Lord, I can't, but you can through me. And I'm getting so much comfort from knowing that, that as Jesus continues rescuing me, and as I stay continued to Jesus, Jesus is actually reprogramming my brain. As I say over and over again, thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me. 
and that sin is no longer my master. So let's take a moment and I just want to, as a pastor, just, just pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, would you please open our eyes to this truth? <laughs> for those of us who've been stuck for so long and we're tired, God, as we, as we stop striving and earning and we surrender to you, God, will you please reprogram right now, no matter how long the struggle has been, how hard the struggle has been, God, we thank you that the victory is yours. God, we, we let that sink into our hearts that when you look at us, you don't see all of our faults and failures, but you see what your son Jesus Christ has done. And we need your help letting that sink from our heads to our hearts. So thank you, Lord, for this amazing truth. And it's through Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I can't wait to hear uh, the stories from this. If you have a story, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, if, you, if you're willing to share uh, any insights that this practice and uh, or, or story about, hey, I was somewhere and I just whispered, sin is not my master. And oh my goodness, Jesus started helping me. Whatever it is, nothing's too big or too small. I would love to hear how you're putting in this into practice. And that helps us kind of do this together. You can email that to to office at sgbic.com or, or just drop us a line on social media and, um, and, and don't be a stranger. Uh, drop us a line this week uh, in, here in the comments or at our website. We love hearing from you. We love praying for you and, and doing this together. So before we dismiss, a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. You are no longer slaves to sin. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.